Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Good morning. It's good to see all of you. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, just verses 1 and 2. So, brothers and sisters, because of God's mercy, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, God. Amen. On October 17th, 2005, The show, uh, The Colbert Report, debuted on Comedy Central. And on that night, Stephen Colbert introduced a new word to the the English vocabulary. Truthiness. Truthiness. Everybody say truthiness. Very good. On the show that night, he said, and I quote, We're not talking about truth. We're talking about something that seems like truth, the truth we want to exist. He's talking about truthiness. Now, I'm sure, he said, some of the word police, the wordanistas over at Webster's are going to say, hey, truthiness is not a word. Well, anybody who knows me knows I'm no fan of dictionaries or reference books. They're elitist, constantly telling us what is or isn't true or what did or didn't happen. Of course, he's being funny. This is comedy, right? But, but he's trying to point out, he's, he's adding some social commentary on a, a growing reality that authorities seem to be inclined to spin half-truths as though they are facts. Now, interestingly, truthiness now is in the Webster Dictionary. It's become a real word. The Urban Dictionary defines truthiness as when you're meaning to tell the truth, but you're actually lying. Later, in a very serious interview with Colbert, he said, I doubt, talking about truthiness, I doubt that many people in American politics are acting on the facts. Everybody on both sides is acting on the things that move them emotionally the most. Of course, the latest iteration of truthiness is the accusation that anything I don't like is fake news, right? It's called fake news, and now it's not true anymore, right? But can I, can I just assume for a moment that we all agree the truth matters? Can I agree? Can I get a nod if that's true? We all agree the truth matters? That we all agree that honesty matters, that facts matter, that thinking correctly matters? We agree? especially for people of faith, right? And I just want to say this. It matters because we act on what we think. 
How we think is how we live. Now, that's different than saying that how we believe is how we live because a lot of us believe things we don't do anything about. Amen? But how we think is how we live. And right thinking matters. Truth, truth is defined by Webster's as in accordance with fact or reality. Don't we all want to live in reality, right? (laughs) In accordance with reality. Now, here's an interesting thing. The great commandment is, according to Jesus, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your what? With all your mind. With all your mind. Well, how do we love God with all of our mind if our thinking is wrong? How do we love God with all of our mind when we're confused about the truth? How do we love God with all of our mind when we're misled by our emotions, our biases, our prejudices, our falsehoods, misinformation, and sometimes outright lies? Let me just say this really quickly. All truth is spiritual truth. We don't have spiritual truths and then, you know, facts. All truth is truth. Richard Rohr says that. All truth is spiritual truth, right, if it's true. Spirituality is the intersection of what we believe to be spiritually true and our daily lives, the connection of God and what we do every day at work, at home, in our relationships. Spirituality is the fullness of things that we see and we don't see. Truth is essentially about how we understand God, creation, life, reality, and my place in it. Now, you probably know the Bible cares a lot about what we think. It cares a lot about honesty and the truth. Go all the way back to the Ten Ten Commandments, the Eighth Command. Do not give false testimony. In other words, don't lie in court. Exodus 23, 1 through 2, don't spread false rumors. Don't plot with evil people who act as lying witnesses. When you act as a witness, don't stretch the truth. The psalmist writes, teach me your way, Lord, so I can walk in your truth. Proverbs says, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only for a moment. The prophets talked about the importance of telling the truth. They, they condemned the false prophets and even unjust leaders, saying, truth stumbles in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone, and any who, one who renounces evil is attacked. And then along comes a guy named Jesus who says, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. I mean, he said it, he embodies it. Like the way he is, his existence, his life, his teaching is truth. There is a philosopher and a theologian named Dallas Willard who says, bluntly, to serve God well, we must think straight. And crooked thinking unintentional or not, always favors evil. Crooked thinking always favors evil. And so Paul offers a remedy. He says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, or we might say restored. Be restored by the renewing of your mind so that you can figure out what God's will is. What is good and pleasing and mature. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. 
Anybody figured that out, how not to be conformed to the patterns of this world? You can just lock yourself in a room and never turn on the television, never turn on the computer, never talk to anybody, never answer the phone. It's, it's hard. We're shaped by the world that we live in. Now, Paul, when he talks about not being conformed to the patterns of this world, he's really kind of telling us about two ways of thinking, worldly thinking and godly thinking. And for Paul, worldly thinking is always evil. It's always opposed to God. It's always fallen, sinful, selfish, corrupt. It always favors those who he would call powers and principalities. It seems to always honor wealth, always honor power, always honor success, influence at any cost. It includes all the fake isms, right? Racism, consumerism, elitism, sexism. It seems to always include political, economic philosophy, social media trends, cable news, advertising, all those voices that are trying to influence what we think, what we believe is true, and how we behave. Now, one of those forms comes in the form of advertising. Advertising is pervasive in every part of our lives, probably in ways that you're not even aware of. Current studies say that we are exposed daily to 10,000 different ads. Did you know that? Would you even guess there was that many? 10,000 a day. The ones that pop up when you're on social media, the radio commercials, the commercials you see on TV, the ad on the side of the bus that drives by, billboards that you see when you're driving on the highway, they're everywhere, 10,000 a day. And that's growing, by the way. It used to be in the 1970s, the average person was exposed to 500 a day, which to me sounds like a lot. In just 50 years, we've gone to 10,000. All of those ads attempting to influence your behavior. Vote for this candidate. Buy this car. Drink this beer. Buy this product to be happier, sexier, more fulfilled, right? Make your life easier by, you know, subscribing to this particular service. Now, here's a little, just an interesting little history trivia for you that you can share at the next party you go to if you can't think of anything else to talk about. You know where modern advertising came from? It started in the early 20th century during World Wars I and II when the government needed to sell war bonds to fund the war. And so they developed this government office of advertising and marketing to sell the American public on why we needed to buy war bonds. They sold to 84 million Americans $185 billion worth of war bonds to fund the war. That today, in dollars today, would be nearly $3 trillion. It was hugely successful. They paid for the war by selling war bonds. How did they do it? They tapped into our emotions. They tapped into our emotions. They tapped into our fear of the enemy, the Nazis. They tapped into our sense of national pride, what it means to be American. They tapped into our fear of what could happen to our boys, right? Our boys often, over there. And people gave, and they gave. Well, what do you suppose happened when the wars ended and we didn't need to sell war bonds anymore? All of that great expertise and talent moved to Madison Avenue and formed advertising agencies. And rather than telling you why you needed to buy a war bond, they told you why you needed to buy the latest frozen dinner, the latest flavor of toothpaste, 
or to vote for this candidate or whatever it might be, using the same skills, tapping into our emotions, pride, fear, right? And it's all manipulative. It's all trying to manipulate you to think your life will be better, happier, more fulfilled, safer if you just spend your money here. Today, modern advertising is national, I mean, uh, internationally, $766 billion a year. All of it trying to influence your sense of self, your political leanings, your consumer habits, and on and on. How can we, bombarded with that much manipulative information, not be conformed to the patterns of this world? Paul says, don't be. Don't be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed, be renewed, be restored by the renewing of your minds. Now, Paul also says in a number of places that we should, our, the antidote is to put on the mind of Christ. That sounds easy enough, right? Just take this one off, put this one on, and I'm good to go. It takes a little more work than that. Scripture tells us over and over to be seekers of truth, of knowledge, of understanding, of wisdom. Paul is basically saying, put on the mind of Christ. Think like Jesus. Approach life like Jesus view life from a kingdom perspective. Well, how do we do that? Well, it's as simple as starting by just asking. The Bible says if you need wisdom, ask for it. God wants to give us wisdom and knowledge. But I think it also requires a little bit of effort on our part. So it could include actually reading your Bible. It's not just a decoration. There's words. You can read them and learn about them and wrestle with them. It includes intentionally taking time to discern how your Christian faith, your beliefs, is getting lived out in your daily decisions and actions. It could include intentional education. Go to a Bible study. Go to a book club. Go to a small group and participate in the conversation. It might be intentionally every day thinking about what would Jesus do in this situation? It's about engaging with other people, including other people in your life who do seem to have the mind of Christ and engaging in conversation with them. It's being discerning about who we listen to, who influences us, how we monitor the information, the opinions, the ideas we absorb. Please listen to me. Just because an advertising company spent billions on the ad doesn't mean you have to believe it. Just because Shaquille O'Neal or some other uh, celebrity, I like Shaq, but some celebrity endorsed it doesn't make it true. Just because some well-paid, good-looking TV personality on a news channel says it doesn't make it true. Be discerning about what you absorb and why. It's about discerning what is godly and what's worldly. And it's being intentional to fill ourselves with goodness and truth. Philippians 4.8 says, from now on, brothers and sisters, it's a pretty good rule, just start right now. From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent, if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, all that is worthy of praise. What a beautiful verse that is. And yet, the truth is, we're bombarded constantly with so much that isn't true, isn't 
holy, isn't just, isn't pure, isn't lovely, is not worthy of praise. So much of what we are bombarded with is negative and critical and demeaning and truly, truly unfair. Jesus once said, if you are truly my disciples, disciple means student, if you're truly my student, if you remain faithful to my teaching, then you will know the truth and what? The truth will set you free. There is a bondage of thought. The truth will set you free. And friends, I want to be very clear. God's truth is not narrow. It's not naive. It's not shallow. It's not irrelevant or out of date. It's not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a lie. Truth is about reality. And God ultimately is about truth and reality. Truth ultimately sets us on the right paths. Truth centers our lives in the way God created us to be. Truth harmonizes our lives with God's will. Now, I want to I end here as I come near the end. Truth, of course, is broadly applicable. It's, it's widely necessary. We need truth in every aspect of our life. How we conduct our business, how we live in our marriage, how we parent, etc., etc. But I suspect the greatest challenge when it comes to truth for most of us is accepting the truth about ourselves. It's one thing to talk about stuff, you know, out there. But what is true about me? What is true about you? The message we mostly get from the world, the pattern of the thinking of this world, is that our worth is conditional. You are a person of value if. If you make enough money, if you have the right job, if you live in the right neighborhood, if you drive the right car, if you, if you look like you're 25 years old, if, if, if. The world tells us the right way to think is look out for number one. That happiness, fulfillment ultimately is the pursuit of your own pleasure and enjoyment. And that you are defined by your last mistake. Who you are is defined by your last failure. That's the message of the world. Henry Nouwen once said, the world tells us many lies about who we are. But Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciples, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free from all that garbage. I just want you to hear the truth of who you are for a minute. Will you just, will you just kind of be receptive for a moment? The Bible says, the truth says, that you were made in the image and likeness of God, and nothing can change that. The Bible says that God loves each and every one of us personally, without exception. The Bible's very clear all of us are sinners, all fall short of who God calls us to be, but rather than waiting for us to figure out how to get that right, he sends a Savior so that we can know God so that we can be intimate with God, so we know how to find the way to God. And somehow we believe that on the cross, Jesus took all the brokenness of this world, including the brokenness of our thinking, so that we could be restored and made new. And that nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from God's love. That's the truth of Scripture.
So Paul tells us, do not, friends, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world that wants to lie and manipulate you, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Let's pray. So God, as we come to your table to remember the sacrifice of Jesus giving his body and blood for us, remind us of this truth, that this is how much you love us. That this is where we find forgiveness so that our failures don't define us. That this is where we find the grace to become and be the people you made us to be. Will you do it right here this morning? Remind us of truth. Renew our thinking today. Center us, ground us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.